The Will You Grow Show goes live Sundays 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. To receive notifications, click the subscribe button beneath this video or visit YouTube's Will You Grow channel to see more shows and videos. And now, here's Will You founder Angelique Meadow with this week's Will You Grow Show. Welcome to the Will You Grow Show. How are you? I'm Angelique, founder of Will You and WillYouGrow.com, an inspirational multimedia company that provides education and mentoring to nurture empowerment and joy. Our weekly grow show begins by tackling touchy subjects that'll tickle your tempestuous thoughts, fan your eternal flame, and salve your soul with hope. Halfway through, we'll take a 60-second look at what people have to say about us, and then we'll go hands-on to share tips and tools to begin implementing today's lesson into your life. Here in the studio with me is our video Santa, Neil. Where's Ben? <laughs> I know, we miss our Ben. So what's wrong with Ben today, you think? He said he's got a fever. He's got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Is that right, Ben? <laughs> Horrible Christopher Walken. I'll have to work on that. That was really bad. We love you. We love you. Ben, feel better soon. I know, if you'll make it. <laughs> Our video Santa will help make this show happen while sharing his very personal perspectives. I'll be happy to. This episode is sponsored by Life and Nature, who keep our hearts beating and our world turning. And by the Carrie Campbell Foundation, which supports creative video content that increases love among all people. Love that. We say thank you to the Carrie Campbell Foundation and each and every sponsor and donor. We'd also like to thank each and every viewer who hits the subscribe button and the bell to be notified, the like button and the share button today. It helps the channel grow and makes it easier for new people to find and watch our videos. So thank you for doing that. Now, on to today's episode, Receiving Life's Gifts. Receiving sounds easy, but it can be very challenging. Through my work inspiring and encouraging people to be fulfilled in healthy ways and kick their dead-end habits to the curb, I've seen the rise of resistance and irritation within people when they are presented with any gift, such as a compliment, care, and kindness that they do not feel that they deserve. I've also seen the sheer relief and delight in those very same people who learn to allow themselves to receive. Because the more we allow ourselves to receive life's goodness, the healthier and more joyful we become. So, if we're ready to receive and to replace a nasty little negative thought, habit, or temptation along our way, watch on, my brothers and sisters. We'll start with a story of a man who refused to receive. Once upon a day, there was a hungry and homeless man. I wish I had a delicious feast, he thought, but that's not going to happen without any food or money. So he opened his dirty cotton sack and he pulled from it his wooden bowl and a spoon. He walked to and fro over the roadside, filling his bowl half full with this and that, stirring it up, and then he sat down to sup. 
Just as he put the spoon to his mouth, a glowingly beautiful woman came round the bend with an enormous tray of delicacies. This feast is for you, she said. The hungry man bristled. Not for me, he said. I'd rather eat mud. We can learn something from this man. Are we turning away life's gifts even when we're in need? Just like the hungry man, each of us has probably refused the very gifts that life has offered us at one time or another. We may even have refused the very things for which we once wished and hoped for. We may have refused kindness, encouragement, support, nourishment, and love of all forms. We can probably all relate to this. Maybe we chose to eat mud and gravel in our job, in our family, in our health situation, or in our relationships. We allowed ourselves to receive the pain and suffering of digesting those gifts while denying ourselves the very feast of goodness and bounty and love. So why is receiving so difficult? To receive openly, graciously, and joyously, and genuinely requires inner strength. It requires us to know that we're worthy. If we don't know we're worthy, we will find a way to deny, disrespect, or discard the good gifts that life intends for us, even when we're starving for them. So, how worthy do we think we are to receive life's gifts? Let's take the worthiness quiz and find out. Are you ready? I'm going to ask four questions. Rate your answers on a scale from one to five. One being that you feel extremely uncomfortable, angry, and or like running away from the gift. All the way up to a five if you feel deeply honored, worthy, and graciously are willing to accept that gift. All right, question number one. Again, rating from one to five. How do you feel when someone gives you a true and heartfelt compliment? like running away or graciously accepting one or five or somewhere in between. Now we're going to add these numbers up. So remember that one. Here's question number two. How do you feel when your friends give you birthday gifts? Scale of one to five. Now add that number to your first number. How do you feel when you are given a very expensive gift? Rate that from one to five. Now add that number to the other two numbers. And our final question. How do you feel when someone does a favor for you without being asked? Rate that on a scale of one to five and then add that to the previous numbers. Have you got your total? Do you need your calculator? <laughs> I might. <laughs> oh. Okay, here we go. If you scored 15 to 20 points, you either know you're worthy or you lie like a dog and you're probably laughing right now. <laughs> if you scored 10 to 14 points, you often feel confident but still don't know your incredible value or worth. 
If you scored zero to nine points, you probably wonder why people do nice things for you and often feel not good enough or unworthy. And this is the most common score. So most people feel this way. So how did this happen? How did we get to feel unworthy? There are many layers to why we may feel that we're not worthy to receive. To begin, we might ask ourselves if we equate our worthiness to suffering, pain, and sacrifice, meaning the more we suffer, the more worthy we are. If so, we may not want to receive more because it will just mean we're going to receive more suffering. <laughs> Here are six examples that we might consider. If we answer yes to any of the following, we may be blocking out our receiving for fear of suffering. Number one, as youngsters, did we watch people we love, for example, maybe parents, as they sacrificed or blocked their own ability to receive life's goodness or joy so that they could put food on the table for us or take care of us? Number two, have we ever judged that it is wrong, boisterous, ostentatious, arrogant, or showy to experience goodness and joy out loud in public? Remember, you're keeping track of your yeses. Number three, was our parent or spouse jealous of us and we were punished with critical words or actions when we were happy or did well? Number four, have we deeply loved a depressed person or family member and felt guilty for experiencing or receiving compliments, love, joy, or care for ourselves. Number five, do we believe in a religion that deifies sacrifice and suffering as a way to heaven? Number six, did we take the bodhisattva vow in this or previous lifetimes, vowing to suffer and give without end until all of humanity is saved from suffering? Now you can just take that note to yourself. If you answered yes to any of those questions, you may equate your self-worth and receiving with suffering. This is my truth. For many years, I struggled with receiving. Whether it was the gift of someone holding the door for me as I walked into a room, or the gift of a real compliment from someone who meant what they said, or even the gift of a beautifully wrapped gift with a crisp and shiny bow, I felt deeply uncomfortable. When I did receive, I felt like I would need to somehow repay the person's kindness. I also felt guilty already having so much, at least in my perspective, and deeply loving people who were depressed and without joy, I judged that I did not deserve more. I thought, I'm doing fine, I'm not starving, and I have a home and a vehicle and a job and my wits about me. I judged and limited my value, saying, why should I receive such goodness when so many people suffer? I felt unworthy. I could not receive more love, more gifts, more time, more life, more support, more encouragement, more money, or whatever else than I believed that I deserved. Having judged myself as not worthy of receiving all the gifts that life had to offer me, 
I unconsciously found ways to refuse, deny, or dismiss gifts. At times I said, no, I simply can't accept this, and refused to take the gift. Other times I felt so anxious and then explained why I didn't deserve the gift. And in some circumstances, I simply stewed in my discomfort and I sucked it up, took the gift, and then quickly exited and plotted ways to give back to the world in repayment for having received a gift for which I did not believe that I was worthy. Regardless the size or the cost of the gift, I rebelled since I did not believe that I was worthy to receive it. Compliments count as gifts. True compliments are gifts of gratitude from one heart to another. Gifts of words from the heart can be as difficult to accept as a physical gift. Think of someone you know who is gorgeous, smart, talented, etc., but he or she doesn't believe that it's true. No matter how many times and in how many ways we may tell this person that they are gorgeous, smart, and talented, they will not be able to receive it or sometimes even hear it. Sometimes they may even parrot off a list of reasons why they believe that they are not attractive, not smart, and don't deserve the compliment. If we judge ourselves as being unworthy of receiving a compliment, it blocks us from receiving the gift. Care and caregiving also count as gifts. Have any of us ever been so ill that we were not able to physically care for ourselves? If so, we know how vital the care of others can be to our own physical life. Receiving the gift of care from others can be an enormous blessing. The question is, how able are we to receive care? Do we rebuke that person and what they offer? Do we get angry about our pain and our inability to care for ourselves? Does that person's care ignite our own feelings of inadequacy or seem to somehow threaten our own independence? If we defined ourselves as the giver in the relationship prior to the illness, do we fear that reversing the roles might cause the others around us to not need or love us? Lots of personal issues can arise when we are faced with allowing ourselves to receive, whether it's care, gifts, compliments, or whatever it is that life is bringing to us. I'd like to share an example that's close to my heart. It's of an elder mother who needed care, resisted care, and how it affected her family. Here's a little story that I hope you find meaningful and helpful in your life. As some of you know, I was married for years. During that time, I grew to love my husband and his family deeply, and I experienced a strong and special bond with my mother-in-law. We loved and respected each other, and that deepened our experience. Near the end of her physical life, she experienced hardships that required her to receive physical care. She could not care for her basic physical necessities. During her lifetime, she had 16 children, two of which passed very early 
and the oldest children were in their 60s. Fourteen children remained her pride and joy, and they were happy to care for her in her time of need. However, since she identified herself with the role of giver and caretaker for everyone else during her lifetime, she resisted receiving care. She felt frustrated and deeply saddened by being bedridden. She knew how to give. She really knew how to give. And she knew the value of giving, but she did not know how to openly, gratefully, and graciously receive care. Because of this, her relationship with her children caretakers was strained and everyone was on edge. My mother-in-law, Mother Teresa, as we often called her, was a Christian and sought answers to her discomfort through her religion. During our last phone conversation, we discussed the Bible passages that she was thinking about, and I read from Sarah Young's book, Jesus Calling. Regardless of whether or not we're religious, the lessons shared here are eternal and may be applicable for each of us. The following message from Sarah's book is a compilation of Psalm 23.5, John 3.16, Luke 11.9, and Romans 8.32, and it goes something like this. Sometimes my children hesitate to receive my good gifts with open hands. Feelings of false guilt creep in, telling them that they don't deserve to be so richly blessed. This is nonsense thinking because no one deserves anything from me. This life, my kingdom, is not about earning and deserving. It's about believing and receiving. When a child of mine balks at accepting my gifts, I am deeply grieved. When you receive my abundant blessings with a grateful heart, I rejoice. My pleasure in giving and your pleasure in receiving flow together in joyous harmony. After hearing this passage, my mother-in-law said that her children were a gift from God, her greatest gift. And at that time, those children wanted to bear more gifts of care and kindness onto her. She saw that although she could no longer give her children the gift of a home-cooked meal or a poppy seed cake for their birthday, she could give them other gifts, gifts of gratefully and gracefully receiving their care and giving it back to them in compassion and loving kindness. She could also give them the gift of being able to give to her. And most of us can relate to how good it feels when we get to give something to someone that we love. Something that he or she needs and appreciates. That day, Mother Teresa chose to shift her perspective. She decided to allow herself to gratefully and gracefully receive her family's care and love. Her shift improved the atmosphere in the hearts of everyone involved and in the home where she lived. Her shift in perspective was also an enormous gift to her own peace of mind, which was a relief to everyone in her family. Days later, she left her body. As time passed, some of her children told me that the memories of those last days with their mom 
those memories they will hold close forever are memories of love indeed. So here, here to Mother Teresa's soul. I am so proud of her for choosing to learn and grow. So how can we stop resisting life's gifts and start receiving? Yes, let's receive more as we take these four steps. Step one, we can become wholeheartedly willing. The wholehearted part is key, meaning that every part of us is willing and open to the idea of receiving. To discover whether we're wholeheartedly willing and open to receive, we can ask ourselves this question. Is any part of me not willing to be open to the idea of receiving? Next, listen for our truth. Don't search for the answer that's thinking. Just allow space without thinking to listen. We can listen through our senses. We may hear the word yes, also called clairaudience. We may feel tightness or physical resistance, also called clairsentience. Or we may just know that we're open, also called claircognizance. We'll also know that we're not open to receive if we have a strong desire to be distracted and turn away from the topic, also called fear, fear of being open and willing. Are we checking for our phones yet? <laughs> That's what I mean. If we experience any of these examples, part of us is not willing to receive life's gifts. If we'd like to become more open, we may ask, what would it take for me to become willing? Next, we can listen and receive our answer. And then we can follow through and give ourselves the security of whatever we need that's in our best and healthy interest. And the sooner we can give ourselves that security of what we need, the sooner that we can build trust with ourselves and know that we'll take good care of us. That allows us to experience more peace and become open to receiving more of life's gift. Step two, we can upgrade our personal definition of receiving. Receiving does not mean that we are weak or needy. Receiving is simply living. We receive breath, we breathe it in, and we give it back out. Life and part of the life experience is about giving and receiving. By receiving, we honor life. We honor what is and what we are, which is a gift. If life wants us to have a feast, if it wants to give us a feast, why not enjoy it and invite a crowd to enjoy it with us? If life wants to give us roses, why not stop and smell them? If life wants to give us a beautiful day, why not allow ourselves to really soak in that goodness? I'm not saying we should overindulge in pleasure-seeking and greed, but there's something to be said for allowing and choosing to receive life's good gifts of beauty, love, and joy. Step three, unblock the universe. 
There is a constantly flowing stream of opportunities and gifts coming to us. It's flowing to us from the universe, life, God, whatever we'd like to call it. However, like the busy beavers we may be, have we blocked our very own stream? Well, I'll be damned. <laughs> <laughs> if we hold any stress, shame, or judgment around not feeling worthy to receive life's gifts, the gifts are blocked. The antidote to this painful blockage is forgiving ourselves. This allows us to change the way we see ourselves from bad, wrong, and not good enough into a humble, patient, and loving person who accepts that we are worthy to receive gifts. Simply because we're alive and we're being our best now. And if we're not being our best, then we can begin to be. And when we give our best to life, we live without shame. And without shame, we'll feel worthy to receive gifts and goodness. When we give our best to life, it's easier to receive the best from life. If we feel resistance or dead weight around the idea of forgiveness, we can watch previous episodes about forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, and forgiving life by clicking on the green Will You button and scrolling down. The Will You button is below this video. Although we may know all of our own secrets, mistakes, habits, and reasons why we've judged ourselves as not worthy and not deserving of goodness, who are we to judge anyone anyway, including ourselves? Step four. We can give ourselves permission to receive. As Cartman from the TV series South Park said, <laughs> Oh my gosh, we're quoting Cartman. I love it. Oh dear. As he said, respect my authority. <laughs> Each of us has been given the authority to grant ourselves permission to receive life's gifts. And if South Park isn't our style, then Smokey the Bear can remind us that only you can prevent yourself from receiving life's gifts. And only you can open the damn blockage and let the gifts flow once again. Amen. The question is, will you? It is my heartfelt prayer and wish and hope that you do. And now let's take a break to see what people have to say. When we come back, we'll talk tips, tools, and elements from Mother Nature to help you receive more of life's gifts. The Will You Grow Show will now take 60 seconds to check in with you. If you're wondering how to apply a Grow Show topic to your life, here's what people say about mentoring with Angelique. I was the oldest of four children, and I grew up in a family that learned to take care of each other and learned to take care of other people. Somehow I missed the part that said I should be taking care of myself as well. I'm now taking care of my husband. When I met Angelique, I knew that we had a connection with each other. And her ability to give me confidence to strengthen this belief that is not selfish for me to care about myself 
has been one of the more powerful things that has happened to me. I hope that you will consider looking in the mirror and saying, will you care for you? Self-care is not selfish. This is your girl. Um, <laughs> Self-care is not selfish. If you really want to dig deep and stop living on the surface, then schedule a conversation with Angelique. And now, back to the Will You Grow show with Will You founder, Angelique Meadow. Welcome back. Before we dive into tips and tools, let's see what Neil has to say about today's topic, receiving life's gifts. I was doing the counting and trying to keep my score. I think I got a 10. I, I, I'm fine with receiving compliments, but I'm very humble and about it. I always, when I, when I, we talk about, when I talk about stuff that I do or we do, I always use we. I never say I. So it's always a group effort. But I get the, you know, the other thing you were talking about is do you ever feel guilty about having goodness in your life and good things happen in your life? about you know, feeling love about someone who's always in a constant state of depression, and yes, I do. Got a good friend of mine. I always, when I'm doing good and he's not, and yeah. So that, that does, that I, I feel guilty about talking about it, uh, my accomplishments and what's going on in my life. So I, he says, well, how's things going on with you? I said, fine, I'm not true to myself. I should just say, hey, I know you're having a tough time. I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine, but what can I do to help you? So, yeah. And uh, 16 kids. Wow. My wife's uh, family, her mom, there was 12 in that family. And I'm sure that was a different generation. Do you feel it's, is it a generational thing when it comes to that, when you were taught what you were talking about with your mother-in-law? how they feel about, uh, because Christina talked about that you've helped her with this because she's you know, caring for her husband. She said she never once thought about herself. And so I wonder, is that a generational? Well, I think that's a, a good question because yeah. it's it would be remiss of us to even point our finger in, at one specific thing. Right. That generation also had a lot of other yeah. things affecting it yes, so it the culture of how we were raised yep. seeing everybody else do it seeing some examples of that in religion right and then also that survival mode you know many of those folks went through the depression or they had parents who went through the depression so right. there's that feeling of scarcity you know like we can't necessarily receive life gifts or we're not worthy of it because we went through a real struggle or pain so we have that got to hold on tight right. to what we have kind of feeling there's a lot going on in there it's very intricate mm. um, what what creates our self-worth and how we can right. see ourselves as worthy to receive and I heard something um, in a Abrahamian text that was really interesting when it comes to that worth thing you're talking mm -hmm. about how do we feel worthy to have a good life when someone else isn't? Right. The, the saying was, we can never suffer enough to make someone else feel better. Mm. 
That's a good point. So basically, if someone else is suffering and we're suffering, we've just added to the suffering. Yeah, we've just... We've added one more person who's suffering. Now... From fuel on the fire, so to speak, as far that, as emotions. Yeah, and that doesn't mean, you know, we can't respect that somebody's going through a hard time, but... Right. They have lessons to learn, too. And if if we come in and fake it so that we think right. they feel better for having someone else who's in that low state with them, we also aren't allowing them to learn and grow. Like, right. at what point do they get to get, grow into an adult soul and be happy for us? And you're not doing yourself any favor by faking that emotion, faking that humility, I guess, or, or lack of humility. Well, for many reasons, but one right. of them is because those uh, chemicals in our body, when we right. pretend, actually are real in our body. Our right. body doesn't know the difference, so we're going to feel physically. If we stay in that situation you're and fake feel being it. depressed long enough, we're going to feel it. You're going to feel <laughs> you, it. When you it's walk gonna, out of there, you will be changed and not for the better. That's right. It's going to manifest itself <laughs> for, the, for, for not and not good, not a good way. Mm -hmm. So. Interesting. Yes, Great thank topic. you for that feedback. And now, it's metaphysical tool time. First, we'll breathe in the bodacious beauty of today's flower, the hyacinth. It has an exquisitely provocative and totally unique scent. Hyacinths generally symbolize royalty and spirituality. So they promote acknowledgement of our inherent and irrevocable worthiness. Hyacinths are a good flower to give someone who not only deserves our respect, but our gratitude too. And in this case, that person is you. <laughs> to support yourself as you increase your knowingness of your worth, you might purchase hyacinth bulbs or plants. This is the perfect time of year to find them in the grocery store or the garden if it's spring in your area of the world and plant them in your yard. They come in white, purple, lavender, and cotton candy pink. If you're not a fan of gardening or planting, you might just buy some cut stems. If hyacinths are not in season when you need them, you might ask a local florist to place an order. If you're allergic to scents from flowers, you might consider purchasing or creating a piece of art of a hyacinth, or wallpaper, fabrics, or any number of creative and colorful ideas. Speaking of color, the color that most encourages us to open ourselves to receive love, worthiness, life, and its gifts is the color of the light cotton candy pink, like this shirt. Pink is a calming color of unconditional love, kindness, softness, nurturance, compassion, and receptivity. Just what we need. To bring the healing power of pink into our life, we might wear a pink shirt or tie, paint a wall pink, drink a strawberry milkshake, wear some pink lipstick, jewelry, or kiss our little baby pink cheeks. And now, on to our healing earth elements. Neil, what's a healing stone for worthiness and receptivity to life and its gifts? Well, today's stone that we're going to talk about is rose quartz. The information for rose quartz today comes from the Crystal Bible 2 by Judy Hall. Thank you, Miss Judy, for allowing us to read from this today. 
Rose Quartz is an exceptional heart healer attuned to the pink flame of unconditional and compassionate love. It releases the effects of karmic heartbreak, removes emotional burdens, and sets you free to love again. Taking you into the universal heart, it helps in remembering that everything is love. In this place, there is no karma, no karmic debt, no soul imperatives, no guilt or imbalances. Combined with smoky elestial, it grounds universal love and elevates consciousness. It heals abandonment and rejection and teaches you that you are always in relationship with the divine within and always worthy. Fantastic. And I'm wearing a rose quartz necklace today. Moving on to the animal kingdom, I believe we have a healing insect that will open us to being more receptive to life's surprises and gifts. Neil? We do. She's a cute little thing. She might, she might come into your home in the winter and fly around because they, they like the warmth, but the ladybug. Oh. This information is from spiritanimal.info, a site that's all about the meaning in nature. And the ladybug, our, our lovely little animal for today, is a symbol of good luck. So when they're flying around your house in the wintertime, it's good luck. Don't forget that. It is said to give blessings to those it encounters, a master in the art of metamorphosis. It transforms from a hideous larva to a beautiful insect adorned with bright colors. This animal is a powerful ally to make important changes in your life and go through your life's journey with ease. Its powerful and encouraging message to us is believe in yourself and dare. The main meanings of the ladybug are the need to know yourself well to make the right life choices, good fortune, innocence, true unconditional love, which acknowledges our self-worth, I might add. Importance of lightness, changes even metamorphosis, divine intervention, going beyond illusion, a happy resolution to a hassle. Don't we all want that? We had that today, actually. The miraculous at play in the everyday life and the importance of staying alert to avoid pitfalls. Ladybug symbolism is centered around positivity and happiness. Seeing a ladybug is therefore usually considered as a good omen that things are looking up. So let's hope we see lots of ladybugs, ladybugs, ladybugs. If we'd like to incorporate the healing power of the ladybug into our life, we may do so by means of watching them in nature, wearing them on clothing and jewelry, cross-stitching them, or baking a cake in the shape of a ladybug. They all sound like they could be fun, don't they? So what say ye? Please share your thoughts and feelings in the comments section so we may grow in receptivity to life's gifts together. As always, we thank you for watching and sharing time together with us today. If you liked today's show, we'd be honored if you'd hit that subscribe button and the bell to receive weekly updates. Hit the like button to let us know that you like what we're doing and hit the share button to share this message with people that you care about. If you feel inspired to give a financial gift to help keep this show coming, click the green Will You circle that's located below this video. Find the words Yes You Can at the top, then look to the right and click the Donate button. All amounts are respected and appreciated. To see more videos, they're also available by clicking that green Will You button below this video, then scrolling down. 
If you'd like to talk about mentoring with me, schedule your complimentary conversation at willyougrow.com today, and I'll look forward to speaking with you soon. And for now, we bid you adieu. Take excellent care of your very fine self, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Always with love. From Angelique. Yay! Yep, throw it. We did it! Yay! Yay! For more information about programs offered by Will You, Mentoring with Angelique, and to watch video success stories from clients, explore willyougrow.com. If you or your company are interested in inspiring our mutual audience by sponsoring this or another of our programs, let's talk about it. Boost viewer confidence and trust in your company. Call 1-833-WILL-YOU, then press extension number 6. Make sure to click the subscribe button to get reminders before upcoming shows. This episode of the Will You Grow Show is dedicated in loving memory to Mother Teresa Marie Barsky. Ladybug, ladybug, oh lady, 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 ladybug, ladybug, oh lady, 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 ladybug. <laughs>